Father, help us. Help us to see. Help us to hear. Help us to draw upon you uh, and to your awesome splendor. Lord, um, what you give us here is very detailed. And yet, Father, there's a reason. And I pray that you will touch the hearts of these precious souls, that they will understand the reason. To your glory and praise, amen. I'll just read verse 1, then I'll pick it up, but I want to show you something here. Chapter 28, verse 1. Then bring near to yourselves Aaron, your brother, and his sons with him from among the sons of Israel to minister as priests to me, Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, Idmetha, and Aaron's son. Stop right there. Now, we go through the names and we read these and we think, well, this is the beginning of the priesthood and all the rest of it. I want you to read the phrase that is sitting there. See the phrase that's sitting there? To minister as priest to me. Okay? Now, listen, anytime you see something repeated quickly, all right, know this emphatically. God is trying to get a point across. All right, read verse 3, end of the verse. What does it say? He may minister as a priest to me. Look at the end of verse 4. He may minister as a priest to me. What are you looking at here? Now listen, I know a lot of people are going to say, well, you're looking at the attire that the priest will wear and the breastplate of judgment that has the 12 stones in it for the 12 tribes and you've got to have this certain hat and you're going to have these certain pants, you're going to have a certain robe and a sash is going to go on it. You're going to have all of this stuff and then, then you have to have a certain uh, different Offerings will be given at the brazen altar and you're going to do this and you're going to do that and you're going to do this and you're going to do that and you miss the whole point. Ain't got nothing to do with the attire. The attire is representative of a person who will minister as a priest to me. Now think about it for a second. When you look at the scripture, there's two individuals that stand between man and God. Two. Okay. One is a prophet and one is a priest. You have priest and prophet. All right. The prophet receives the word from the Lord and preaches it to the people. So basically, the prophet brings the message of God to the people of God. Did you hear what I said? The prophet brings the word of God to the people of God. All right? What does the priest do? And we say, well, he brings the people of God into the presence of, or the, yeah, into the presence of God, right? What does this text say? Okay, when you hear the word minister, think of this phrase, servant. All right? When you see minister, think of it as a servant. I am a servant 
in the role of priest. Now, to who? To who? To God. It's to God. All right, so when you start cruising through a bunch of this, you know, these last three chapters, but you can take the first three chapters also, you can say, what was this bringing us to be? God is saying, I am detail-oriented on those who will serve me. Okay? All right, listen. God is never changing. So it hasn't changed. Oh, I know. You guys are going to come in tomorrow and expect me to be wearing some kind of breastplate with 12 stones on it. Ain't happening. And here's the reason it ain't happening. You ain't Jewish. And if you are Jewish, do you know what tribe you're from? No. I didn't think so. Why? Uh, those records were lost in 70 A.D. All right, so what tribe are you from? Well, I don't know. And then I heard a guy say, well, we could do DNA tests. From where? What are you going to start doing? Digging up bones and saying, well, we think this guy here is Naphtali. And if your DNA comes out of this line, then you are of the tribe of Naphtali. No, that ain't going to work. Anyway, but God's got it figured out. All right, so, but he says they will serve me. They will minister to me, all right? He's dealing... Now, if you're really honest with this text right here, um, he's dealing with Aaron's wardrobe. I mean, I'm not trying to downplay the importance of the text, but he's saying, as a minister to me, this is how you're going to dress. Don't you find that fascinating? When I got people saying, well, you need to be able to go around and flip flops and Hawaiian shirts and what? Okay, because don't tell me you're a prophet because the prophet wears a big leather belt and a camel hair jacket. All right, and he itches all the time because it doesn't say he wears anything under it. Okay. So, but if you look at a little footnote, I'll give you here. He, he breaks his sons into two groups. The first is Nadab and Abihu. And that's fascinating because they died in what? Do you, anybody know why they died? You know what they were doing when they died? They were ministering to God as a priest, but they were doing it their way. I think it was contemporary worship. No, just kidding. Could have been blended. Because I know for a fact it was not traditional. Why? Because they disregarded God's instruction. Leviticus chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. Okay? That's tough stuff right there, man. They just died. All right? Uh, But the descendants of... Aaron, which would be the tribe of Levite, were selected by God to be Israel's priest. All right. Verse two, you shall make a holy garment for Aaron, your brother. And look at this next phrase. Fascinating. Isn't that fascinating? I had a pastor friend one time that had a big congregation and TV show and all kind of weird stuff. And he said, well, how can I help you? And I told him that 
I really would like to have your silk suit. Now, he had a really nice silk suit. I mean, it was, uh-huh. And he was about my size. I mean, it worked. So if not, I'd, I'd get a tailor and make it fit. So, um, but it, you know, and he, he said, well, you know, how can I help your ministry? Well, you got this one gray pinstripe silk suit that I think would really help my ministry. It's better than the breastplate with 12 stones on it. Anyway, okay. Why did he want the holy garments? Look what it says. For glory and what? I didn't write it. I didn't write it. Do you see what he's doing here? You are a minister to me as a priest and you will look like it. That's what he's saying. Why? There will be glory in the attire. Okay. But then he throws in that next phrase. For beauty. For beauty. Now, I've seen the pictures of it and I'm thinking that ain't beautiful. Uh, And if I got to start wearing some kind of weird turban and sashes and things like that, uh, I may find another line of work. But. He's saying here, there's a reason. Okay, but then look what he says. You shall speak to all the, and he uses a term here. It's translated in New American Standard, skillful persons. Okay, uh, this would be a person who has the ability to do this trade. But look at what he says here, because this is the first time that this shows. Okay, Um This is amazing because here's what he says. Whom I have empowered with the spirit of wisdom. Okay. The tradesman, the skilled tradesman who will prepare this garment, who will weave this garment, who will make this breastplate are what? Supernaturally empowered. They are empowered by God to accomplish this project. Do you understand that? Do you see the seriousness of ministering to God? I mean, listen, I I, I don't weave. Okay, I don't crochet. Uh, I don't um, knit. Um, I, I don't even sew, but he says that the suit that my priest will wear will be made by people who are supernaturally empowered to weave it, to cut the stones, to set the stones, to bring all the pieces together from the thread to the cloth, from the cloth to the suit. Now, there's some detail here. Skillful persons whom I have empowered with the spirit of wisdom that they may Aaron's garments to consecrate him. Do you know what the word consecrate is? Holy. Set him apart. I want these empowered artisans 
to make a suit. And when he's done, everybody will know that he is set apart because even the material, even the people pulling the material together were there for the consecration, not only of the suit, but for the person who is going to wear it. That he may minister as a priest to me. Verse 4, these are the garments which they shall make. A breast piece, an ephah, a robe, a tunic of checkered work, a turban and a sash. And they shall be made of holy garments for Aaron, your brother and his sons, that he may minister as a priest to me. Got that? There's the phrase again. Okay, beginning in verse 5 through 13, he speaks of the ephah. It's going to have gold and blue and purple and scarlet material and fine linen. He also make the ephah of gold and blue and purple and scarlet material, fine twisted linen. It will be worked as skillful workmen. Um, it shall have two shoulder pieces joined at two ends and they'll be joined together. A skillfully woven band will be upon it and it will be a workmanship of the same material of gold and purple and, or gold and of blue and of purple and a scarlet material of fine twisted linen. And you shall take two onyx stones and engrave into the names of the sons of Israel. Now that's going to take some work right there now. All right, but anyway, we, we will we'll go on. Uh, six of their names on uh, one stone and the names on the remaining six on the other stone according to their birth. So it would be in the chronological order of the birth of the children of Israel. That would be the birth of the children of Jacob. That would be the 12 tribes of Israel. As a jeweler engraves a signet, you shall engrave the two stones according to the names of the sons of Israel, and you shall set them in the... Fudgly uh, of settings of gold. It means it's just going to be this thing. It's going to be set in gold and it's going to be embraced in gold. And you shall put the two stones on the shoulder pieces of the ephod as stones of a memorial for the sons of Israel. And Aaron shall bear their names before Yahweh on his two shoulders. There's going to be one on each shoulder. And then be in the setting of gold. Two chains of pure gold will be twisted uh, in cordage work. They shall put the quarter chains in the settings. There's a lot of detail here. A lot of detail. 15 through 30 is what is called there in verse 15. You shall make a breast piece. And what do they call it? Of judgment. Okay, it's going to have four stones. Going to be, they're going to be cut three and four. Okay, three across, four down. Why? comes out to 12. Each little square will have a different stone color, and it will all represent the 12 signs of the zodiac. No. I don't know how many zodiac signs there are, but I do know there's 12 tribes of Israel, and each tribe has a stone. Okay, do you see what the breastplate is called? What's it called? Breastplate of, of what? Judgment. Who's wearing it? 
the priest who ministers to God. You ever wonder why they call Jesus our great high priest? Now, this is the attire of the high priest. It'd be according to their names, Israel, that's a.k.a. Jacob. They shall be like the engravings of each seal, according to the name of the 12 tribes. Each tribe gets a stone. Okay, and he gives you detail all the way through verse 30. All right, then in verse 31, he says, you know what? I'm going to give you a robe. It'll be an ephod of blue. Okay, it's going to be this robe, and it will be blue in its color. And there shall be an opening in the top, of, in the middle, because that's where your head will stick through. How small. I should have been a tailor. Okay. It shall be a binding of a woven work, and it be on an opening of a coat of mail. And I always find that fascinating. A coat of mail is chain link that is to protect you in battle. In battle. And you will have a coat of mail on. And then verse 33, and you put on the hem of it pomegranates of blue and purple. That's cool. Scarlet material around each of the hymns. That's cool. And then here comes the uncool part. Bells of gold. You know what the bells of gold for? Yom Kippur, when you go in at Yom Kippur, when you hear the word Yom, that means day. Kippur is of atonement. All right. And it is set aside by the Jews, by God, that you will come in and the high priest will go into the mercy seat. He will go into the Holy of Holies. He'll sprinkle blood on it for the sins of the people. Okay. And he has this great, and we'll look at it in detail. He has this great, um, list of things that he has to do before he can go into the presence of the Lord at the mercy seat. He has to wash his hands. He has to wash his feet. He has to have a pure heart. He has to give an offering. There has to be blood spirit on him. And, and it talks about it. You put a dab of blood on the right ear. Why? Because he doesn't like left. No. <laughs> that the priest would hear the word of the Lord and it would be atoned through the blood. But you also put it on the right hand. Put blood on the right hand, huh? Why? That he would be about the work of God. But you put it on the right foot too. What the? You're a bloody mess. That you would walk in the way of the Lord. And God said, you're not capable of hearing, doing, or walking without the shedding of blood. So you shed the blood, and it's an animal, put it on the ear, put it on the hand, put it on the foot. Why? Because you will minister to me as a priest. They put little bells on it because in Yom Kippur, you know what happens? Yom Kippur, I'm atoning for the sins of the people. All right, if the bells quit ding-a-linging, you know what that means? God killed the priest, meaning I did not receive the offering. And you'll find that they put a rope around his leg and they would drag the body out and ask anybody, you want to be the priest now? 
Because the priest would take the people to God, which means that he would be among the sinners and he would have to go into the holiness of God. That's pretty fascinating. Don't you think that's fascinating? I read about a guy who did that once. The whole book of Hebrews deals with that person. Okay, have you ever heard this verse? The law of the Lord is sharper than a two-edged sword. Knows the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Can cut right straight through the marrow to the bone and knows even the soul of man. And 11 out of 10 times when you hear that text taught, you know what they say that it is? The Bible. The law of the Lord knows the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Okay, you know what? The text comes out of Hebrews. And in Hebrews, he's not talking about the Bible. He's talking about Jesus. That's When you think about the Bible, do you realize you cannot separate the Bible from Jesus? You want to know Jesus? You know your Bible. You want to know your Bible? You'll know Jesus. You know what? He says, I would prefer, Paul says, I would prefer in chapter 14 that you would prophesy because then the unbeliever is convicted of their sin. Okay? When you prophesy, what do you prophesy? The word of the Lord. Why? Because it knows the thoughts and intents of the heart. And when you expose man's heart to Scripture, what happens? Well, sometimes they get mad at you. Okay? But when you were going in for the Day of Atonement, you would have these little gold bells on the bottom of your ephah. And the reason was is that if God refused to grant mercy, the bells would quit. And they would drag the body out. Uh, and who's next? Okay. Verse 36 through 38 is the detail on the turban that was worn on their head. Verse 39 is the undergarment that is worn by the priest. Verses 40 through 43, Aaron's sons, you shall have tunics. This is the rest of what they will have to wear. You put them on Aaron, your brother, and his sons with him, and you shall anoint them uh, and ordain them and consecrate them. Oh, look. That they may serve me as priests. Okay? Chapter 29, verses 1 through 18. There's a phrase there that you see in the middle of the verse. Now this is what you shall do to them to consecrate them to minister as priests to me. All right, now it goes through this big ordaining this on how these men will prepare. Okay, I want to prepare you. Okay, he, he says, this is what you're going to wear. This is what now you're going to do that you're ready. That you're ready. It's like believer's baptism. Believer's baptism is an outward expression of what has already happened. 
And he says, this is what you're going to wear to serve me. But this is what you're going to do before you get ready to serve me. And this is where the blood on the earlobe, this is where the blood on the finger or the hand, on the right hand and on the right foot, is you had better be prepared. Unleavened bread, unleavened cake mixed with oil, unleavened wafers spread with oil. You shall make them a fine wheat flour. I mean, do you see that? They're not going to let you get in there with Twinkies. I want you to do it right. You shall put them in one basket. Present them in the basket along with the bull and two rams. And then you shall bring Aaron and his sons to the doorway of the tent of the meeting. You'll wash them with water. And you'll take their garments, you'll put Aaron with the tunic and the robe of the ephod and the ephod and the breastplate that gird him and skillfully woven band on the ephod. And you shall set the turban on his head and pull the holy crown of the turban. You make anointing oil and you pour it on his head and you'll anoint him. You'll bring his sons and put tunics on them. And they'll gird them with sashes. Aaron and his sons will bind caps on them and they'll have a priesthood by the Perpetual statue. So ordain Aaron and his sons. He shall bring them a bull before the tent of the meeting. And Aaron and his sons shall lay their hands on the head of the bull. And they shall slaughter the bull before Yahweh at the doorway of the tent of the meeting. Now listen, I want you to see what they're doing. This is just getting ready to go into the presence of God. This is just to be able to go in and serve God. Take some of the blood of the bull and you put it on the horns of the altar. That would be the altar that they'll take the brazen, or the, the brazen altar that they'll take and offer it up to sacrifices. And you'll pour out all the blood on the base of the altar. You'll take all the fat that covers and the entrails and the lobe of the liver and the two kidneys and the fat that is on them. Did you see the details in this? You've got to learn to be a butcher to be a priest. The flesh of the bull and its hide and its uh, refuse you shall burn on the fire outside of the camp as a sin offering. You also make one of the rams, and Aaron and his sons shall lay their hands on the head of the ram. And you shall slaughter the ram and take its blood and sprinkle it on the altar. You shall cut the ram into pieces and wash its entrails and its legs and put them into pieces in its head. It shall offer up a smoke of the whole ram on the altar and is a burnt offering to Yahweh. And it is a soothing aroma, an offering to fire to the Yahweh, to the Lord. It goes through with all the detail that goes through there. Then to verse 42, he says, You shall continually burnt offering throughout your... Did you see what he just said there? Did you get that? Verse 42. A lot of detail here. I mean, I, I can show you how to gut a ram. I can show you how to gut a bull and how you can cut it in half and how you get the liver lobe separated. I can go through all that detail if you want to do it. For seven days, one of his sons of the priest was said to put them on when he enters into the tent of the meeting and the minister in the holy place. I mean, that's bizarre stuff. But I want to read to you what it says in verse 42. It shall be a continual burnt offering throughout that's the phrase I want you to look at. Verse 42. 
your generations at the doorway of the tent of the meeting of before Yahweh, where I will meet with you to speak to you there. I will be there with the sons of Israel, and it shall be consecrated by my glory. I will consecrate the tent of the meeting of the altar. I will also consecrate Aaron and his sons who minister me as, there's that phrase again, as priests to me. I will dwell among the sons of Israel and will be their God. And they shall know I am Yahweh, their God, who brought them out of the land of Egypt, and I might dwell with them. I am Yahweh, their God. Okay, for how many? How long? Throughout your generations. What would your generations be? That'd be all of them. Okay, your generation is not my generation, but then when the child is born, then it will be your generation. And then when your child is born, it will be your generation. And when your child is born, you know what he's trying to say. That would be the continual thing. Okay, what am I trying to get at here? Easy. Very simple, very easy. Go with me to the book of Acts. Chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. How many generations are supposed to worship God this way. Only those who are servants as priests to God. All right? Um, chapter 9 is the text that we deal with that is the conversion of the Apostle Paul. Uh, beginning of verse 1, it says, Breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, he went to the high priest. He asked for letters from him to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any of those belonging to the way, that was the first title uh, that the church was given, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. He's getting um, arrest orders to bring people who would follow Jesus Christ back to Jerusalem stand trial. As he was traveling, it happened that he was approaching Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground. And he heard a verse, a voice, and a verse came verse 4, okay? A voice saying to him, what does it say? Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting my church? That's not what it says. Why are you persecuting... me okay go over to first peter chapter two. First peter chapter two chapter two and this is funny because i've i've heard people say well um he is this letter is written to jewish people um uh, he, the, and the reason that they, they use it, this is uh, Peter, an apostle, it starts out with the letter, Peter, an apostle to Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontius, Galatia, um, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, who are chosen. See, that would be them Jewish people. So they, they are them chosen people according to the foreknowledge of God and uh, sanctifying work and obey and, and all the rest of it. They said this is this is that's just this is all Jewish talk because everybody knows that Peter was the apostle to the 
Catholic Church, no. Uh, to the Jews. To the Jews. Okay, well, that works great if there isn't a chapter 2. <laughs> all right? And daggone if Paul didn't write chapter 2. Putting aside all malice, all deceit, and hypocrisy, and envy, and all slander, like newborn babes, what? Long. Okay, have you ever been around newborn babes? To say they long for milk is probably the smallest understatement you're ever going to get. They don't only long for milk, they will make your life miserable if they don't get the milk. Okay, I mean, that's, that's the picture that he uses. So that you may grow in respect to what? Your salvation. And coming to him as living... Now watch what he just says here. Remember what I just gave you out of chapter 9 of Acts. Why are you persecuting me? Paul was out trying to arrest Christians. Alright? And Jesus says, because you are attacking Christians, you are attacking me. Now watch what he says here. You, verse 4, and coming to him as a living stone, which is rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. You, now look what it says. What? Also, as what? Living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a, what does it say? What does it say? A holy priesthood. Who? Who? Who is being built up as a holy priesthood? Okay, who do you minister to? Listen, if he's not changing, who do you minister to? Living priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. I already looked at that. The bull, the ram, the clothes, the attitude, the actions, all are the same. Drop down to verse 9. For you are a chosen race. What does it say next? Royal priesthood. Royal priesthood. That is not a Jewish phenomenon there. Why did King Saul, the first king of the Jews, lose his crown? Anybody know? He was a king. He had a buddy that hung out with him. His name was Samuel. Why did he lose his crown? Because he's getting ready to go into battle, and then he needed to do a burnt offering to God before they started a battle. Samuel didn't show up, and so... Saul did it. You had a king 
doing the work of a priest. God said, no. But he says, you who are as newborn babe, put aside all malice and all rest, and you want to grow in your salvation, you're different. You're a priesthood. Oh, you're way different. You're a chosen race, a chosen nation. You are a royal priesthood. You know what that means, right? Royalty, ministering to God as priest. Interesting thought, isn't it? It's contained in the scriptures. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. This precious value then is for those who believe. For those who disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected has become the very cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. For they stumble because they are disobedient to the word and to this doom they were also appointed. But you are a chosen race. I shared that with you because when you go through the detail of the breastplate of judgment, of the turban, of the ephah, the fact that the people who literally made these clothes were supernaturally empowered to weave the clothes, to, 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 to make the garments. Uh, when you look at the consecration that had to take place for the person who would put these on, the spiritual washings that they would have to go through and all the rest of it, and you look at the detail in it, and then you back up and you say, you know what, this is but a picture of... Of you and I. That's us. We have been consecrated. Did you know that a Christian right now is as holy as a Christian will ever get? That's kind of depressing, isn't it? But you ain't getting any holier. Now, you may not believe it, but it don't change. You're there. Not only that, you are a servant. You serve God as a priest. But God's work was so massive on the cross that not only are you a priest serving God, you are royalty. You have been adopted into the family of God. And what you see being given there in chapters 28, 29, well, through the end of 31, is just a picture of a reality that you and I already possess. Now, you may not believe it, and you may not act like it, but it still don't make it not true. It's true. It's absolutely true. But I will give you this warning. Judgment begins in the house of the Lord. And if he was willing to take the first two sons of Aaron and strike them dead for their lack of obedience, don't think you're immune. 
Don't think you're immune. That's is massive stuff. This is good stuff. But when you go through it, you look at all the detail and it has to be woven this way, it has to have this many counts in the thread work, it has to have this many binds in the gold, it has to have these numbers on this little onyx stone, and it has to have this many names on this onyx stone, and you'll have these 12 stones and they will be cut this way, and the people who will put this thing together will be supernaturally empowered. I'm thinking God takes this thing serious. Because you see over and over in the text that they are a minister to me as priest. You better think about that. Okay? And don't think about your neighbor. Don't think about other Christians. That's you. You will stand and give an account for what you have done in the body of Christ. And you know what? The blaming thing don't work. It didn't work for Adam. It didn't work for Eve. Uh, it didn't work for David. It didn't work for Saul. It didn't work for Samuel. It didn't work for anybody. And yet everyone who is truly saved is a minister, is a servant to God as a priest. How cool is that? How cool is that? When you hear people complaining about their ministry, what are they saying? I don't like serving God. It's an interesting concept, isn't it? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for... um, even 6,000 years ago, giving us a picture, a description of what it is to be with you. Father, help us. Help us to be free of the entanglements of this world. Let us walk in your heavenlies as we press on for the high calling of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Thank you, Father. Thank you for what you accomplish. May we give you the praise even this day. In Christ's name, amen.